Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you for joining us to lead, learn, and lab. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're going to explore the tax changes of 2013 and how they may affect jobs, business, investment, and commercial real estate. You know, there have been significant changes in the tax uh, code, including an increase in uh, capital gains, an increase in tax rates, and the new 3.8% Obama investment tax, which was passed in 2010 in the Health Care Act, and that has also kicked in in 2013. So we'll look at what has changed, what's remained intact, and how to navigate and prosper in the world of increased tax burdens. Well, please welcome my first guest, Thomas Nice, partner with Cone Aresnik. The members of Cone Resnick's commercial real estate industry practice work as trusted business advisors to private equity funds, pension funds, REITs, commercial and residential property owners, and operators of hotels and resorts, real estate developers, home builders, and land developers. Tom, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, thanks, Michael, for having me on today. Well, we appreciate having you on the show. And first, I'd like to ask you about the 3.8% Medicare investment tax that uh, Obama brought on to us uh, in 2010 that now we have to deal with in uh, 2013. How does that work? Who has to pay it? Well, if you have... um if you have a joint taxpayer with um, taxable income over $250,000 or a single taxpayer with taxable income over $200,000, uh, you're going to be assessed a tax equal to 3.8% of the lesser of your net investment income or the excess of your modified adjusted gross income over that threshold amount I just mentioned, 250000 for joint filers, 200 for single filers. And, and essentially what that means is that if you have a dollar of net investment income and your uh, modified adjusted gross income is over that threshold amount, it's going to get an additional 3.8% tax. Um, that... Um, in addition to that, they define what net investment income is, and, and for most people, you would think that your interest in dividends and portfolio income, um, capital gains, that kind of stuff is, is what's subject to it, and it is. But the other thing that uh, is of uh, importance for commercial real estate owners is that uh, income from any passive activity is also going to be subject to this 3.8% uh, tax. Okay, so when you sell an investment property, if you make over those income levels, you've got to add a 3.8% tax to that. Exactly. So, so it's, it's critical for owners of, of real estate to, to uh, determine whether or not the, the income from their rental real estate is passive income or whether it is uh, active income um, under the uh, uh, general rules of Code Section 469, passive activity rules. Um, uh, if you're a real estate professional, um, you probably, uh, your accounts have probably been talking to you about it all along. Okay, and that's your profits over your base, right? Basically, yes. It's a, it's a, well. When you say profits over your base, it's it's at your net rental income, um, and, and how you define that can be a, a little bit different depending on how you hold your real estate. If if you have a trader business and you are renting um, real estate to your trader business, in the past that income from the rental real estate would be passive income, and and you didn't care because uh, you would have income or loss from your trader business to to either add to it or offset it. But, but now, with the advent of this 3.8% tax and passive income, you're not going to want to have that um, 
that property uh, being self-rented to your trade or business, you're going to want to combine that. And, and the good news is that uh, in the proposed regulations, they do allow for taxpayers uh, to regroup their activities in a more advantageous uh, way, and that would help people um, avoid that passive income tax when they are renting to their own trades or businesses. Okay. And I guess in some cases, if you're selling a a property, for example, in uh, a second quarter, and you don't know where your income levels and, and things are going to be, you really don't know what the tax burden is going to be of that sale, right? You've got, uh, to, you've got to make some guesses. Exactly. There's there, The problem with the proposed regulations is that even though it did a very, very good job in explaining what the government wanted to do, it still didn't explain everything. And the final regulations will be um, issued before the end of 2013, but in the meantime, you still have estimated taxes to pay. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't really know exactly whether or not your particular situation is going to be affected by this 3.8% tax, uh, we're recommending to our clients to file safe estimates um, for the quarters uh, until we get that final guidance to avoid any application of penalties. Right. I think it's a bit of a surprise to some people with that 3.8% tax, what the increased burden there is. I mean, Nancy Pelosi said, look, let's pass the uh, Health Care Act so we can see what's in it, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, another thing I want to mention about uh, um, these uh, these rules regarding passive activities, the the General rules of Code Section 469 govern whether something is a passive activity or not. But under these 1411 uh, Medicare investment tax rules, you have to be an active trader business under Code Section 162, not 469, for purposes of um, avoiding the application of the investment tax to that rental income. So, so um, and, and again, the government hasn't specifically come out with any particular guidelines. And in fact, in informal uh, guidance, they've said they don't want to issue bright line tests because they want to be able to interpret what people are doing and they don't want to create a bright line test that people can do a workaround. They, they, um, so they're leaving it vague on purpose. Nice. Okay. Well, commercial real estate is also affected by businesses, by companies hiring. What are some of the changes this year for employers? Well, uh, one, uh, under the Obamacare package, um, uh, one of the big changes is, is for large employers, and those are employers that have an average of at least 50 full-time employees uh, to provide minimum essential health care coverage. And if those businesses do not provide that minimum essential health care coverage, they're going to be uh, assessed a penalty of about $2,000 per employee per tax year. And, and for commercial real estate owners, uh, a lot of times you have certain employees that might be um, accounted for in, in separate entities. And, and uh, a heads up for you is that uh, there are special rules that will aggregate a lot of different entities into one employer for purposes of this test. So if, if you have a lot of different uh, businesses, but, but for uh, employment tax purposes, you're treated as a single employer, that's the test that's going to be applied here. So, so the fact that you have 25 people working in your construction company and 20 people working in your development company and then 15 people working in your rental real estate activities, it could be that collectively you're, you're considered a large employer and you'd be subject to this tax if you're not providing that minimum essential coverage. Right. That's a good point. That may catch some people off guard. And uh, Tom, let's talk about capital gains. We've got an increase in capital gains beginning this year as well, right? 
Right, right. Uh, good news is is that if they have thresholds of four hundred thousand dollars for uh, single taxpayers and four hundred fifty thousand dollars for joint filers, and and if your income is below that, then you will be um, still subject to the old fifteen percent rate. It did not go up for you, but if um, if you're over that um, threshold. What will happen is that the, the long-term capital gain rate is going to increase to, to 20%. And you have to be a little bit careful because when you, when you have this capital gains, remember, we just talked about a 3.8% investment tax. Now you have the 20% tax here um, that, that's lumping on top of it for long-term capital gains. Um, that's 23.8% compared to 15% before. That's about a 57% increase in the capital gains rate from, from last year. Now, if it turns out that it's, you don't qualify for long-term capital gains because you had a, a tremendous opportunity and, and you flipped a piece of real estate, you might be subject to ordinary income rates. Uh, short-term capital gain rates are, are, are essentially ordinary income rates. And with the new uh, ordinary income rates having gone up uh, maximum rate from 35 to 39.6, uh, if you tack that 3.8% investment tax on top of that and you have a phase-out of your itemized deductions, which is now back after a, a couple-year hiatus, um, you could be uh, paying uh, capital gains. If it's short-term capital gains, the maximum rate could be as high as 44.6%, which is really an eye-opener for people. Right. You got to also think about that depreciation recapture, right? Absolutely. Depreciation recapture has remains at 25%. So, so that means that um, with that investment tax piggyback, you're up to 28.8% on long-term capital gains if the unrecaptured 1250 gain rules apply to your particular gain. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break. In a moment, we'll get more from Tom Nice with Cone Resnick on the latest tax laws affecting the commercial real estate industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related subjects, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we had recent shows featuring leading commercial real estate trainers providing tips for 2013. We had a show on strategies for banks and lenders related to non-performing notes in OREO. And we had a show featuring forecasts on the office and one on retail, industrial, and multifamily sectors. So you can access these shows anytime on your smartphone or your computer. Visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're exploring the tax changes of 2013 and how they may affect commercial real estate. My guest is Tom Nice. He's a partner with Cone Resnick. And uh, Tom, I'd like to ask you about the uh, increase in tax rates. I guess the so-called rich uh, are going to have to pay more, right? Absolutely. Um, the maximum tax rate has been increased from 35 to 39.6 percent. But but uh, because of these other um, phase-outs of itemized deductions, phase-out of, uh, of, of other uh, exemption amounts, and then this 3.8% uh, Medicare tax, 
really, uh, you could have your, your tax rate going up as high as 44.6%. And, and that doesn't include your payroll taxes. So really, when you include payroll taxes, if this is earned income, you're really seeing your federal tax um, uh, jump uh, to over 50%. Wow, that's incredible. Well, what do you think the impact will be from uh, these increases in these taxes? Well, um, you know, it's a, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, with with these, uh, whenever you have increases in taxes, you, you always have a, a little bit of a, a, a decrease in um, in activity, mm-hmm. and and to the extent that people don't have as much money for for reinvestment, um, there, there's just less money to spread around. So, um, you know, regardless of your politics, I, I think that's pretty much the the fact of the matter. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, uh, these small businesses are are the biggest. Uh, you know, job creators in the economy. And, you know, you've got a lot of uh, S-Corp uh, owners who are going to have some increase in their taxes. And, you know, do you want your, do you really want your employer to be making less than 450? You probably don't. Uh, right. Well, well, and, and again, the, 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 there's, there's talk in the industry about, about the use of S-Corporations uh, mm-hmm. uh, as um, a, a way to combine uh, rental income even with um, with your trader business income mm-hmm. and uh, for instance property management companies um, their income would not be subject to the net investment tax and as long as you would actively participate in your property management company and your s corporation pays out a, um, a reasonable salary to the um, to the officers any any additional distributions would would not be subject to self-employment tax or to the uh, investment tax so that could be a 3.8 percent savings if your businesses are structured properly Oh, that's good news well speaking of good news we still have the the uh, extension of the leasehold appreciation for to 15 years rather than 39 years for for tenant build outs and things like that right Absolutely. Uh, you, you, you still have 15-year life for qualified leasehold improvements, qualified retail improvements, and qualified restaurant property through 2013. Um, after that, it's going to go back to 39 years. So if you have stuff that you're planning to place in service uh, towards the end of the year, you might really want to push hard to get it uh, placed in service because if it's placed in service in 2014, it's going to be 39-year life, not 15-year life. Okay. And uh, the commercial real estate uh, world was also concerned about carried interest, and uh, that was saved so far, right? Yes, up to this point it is. Uh, it's been proposed. Uh, if you see, it's Code Section 711 they keep proposing, uh, and it keeps dying in the Senate. And uh, the senators uh, have not been happy with it, and they've been keeping it from going forward, even though it's been pushed by the House. Um, basically, what, what that carried interest rule is, is that anybody that has a promote from real estate – uh, that normally uh, you would get upon the sale of that real estate on the back end, uh, instead of getting capital gains rates, you would get ordinary income rates because the government treats that carried interest as some type of earned income. So, so um, and, and, and again, the fewer was with hedge fund managers, but they realized that they couldn't raise enough money if they penalized just the, the hedge fund managers, and so they started looking for additional sources of revenue, and real estate got into their crosshairs. So, uh, so up to now... Uh, it has not moved forward, but with the sequester looming uh, as of March 1st, you know, who knows what Congress is going to do in terms of um, uh, figuring out sources of revenue to avoid that, um, that sequester cut in spending. And, and if they need revenue raisers, this could be something that could come back. We just have to wait and see. Yeah, stay tuned, right? Right, absolutely. Well, we're speaking with Tom Nice with Cone Resnick. And, Tom, I'd like to ask you to, to briefly explain the uh, possible lease accounting change from uh, FASB and where that stands right now. 
Well, uh, real quick, um, uh, the biggest takeaway I would tell you is to stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the first exposure draft has gone out to industry, and, and, and people have commented on it, and uh, people were pretty upset about it because the um, the rules regarding um, uh, accounting for leases, essentially they wanted to account for all leases as capital leases, and they have this method called the interest and amortization method where you would discount the present value of the lease and then you would um, have an interest charge associated with it. And, and two things happen with that. One is it depresses earnings, and two is that it, um, it might devalue the property somewhat. So people didn't like it very much. So, so now they, they went back to the drawing board a little bit. They're working on a, a second exposure draft right now. This new, this new exposure draft is going to be effective for um, starting in, in 2016, and it'll, it includes that same interest and amortization method of the first draft, but it also includes a straight-line method for leases that uh, they, they call it not for a term that is a major portion of the asset's economic life. So in other words, if you've got a 15-year asset and you're leasing it out for five years, that's probably going to qualify for a straight-line method, which is a simplified method. And from a lessor standpoint, the simplified method means that the, the asset stays on your books and you recognize income as you receive it. And on the um, on the lessee side, you create this asset called a right of use asset, and then essentially that asset's going to amortize over time, and then you're going to have um, some of this interest expense that you still have to book. And the difference between the two will be essentially the how much your 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 asset amortizes over the life of the lease. Um, Again, uh, we don't know exactly what the second draft's going to say, but but uh, we know it's going to include this uh, straight line. Uh, exception for shorter-term leases. Okay. We'll stay tuned there as well, right? Well, Absolutely. And I think these FASB lease accounting changes could make a bigger difference in the market than people think. I think especially with the single-tenant uh, net lease market where a lot of those tenants may decide to, to own their properties uh, rather than lease, and it could have effect on the valuations uh, of those properties. So we'll put a link on the show webpage about the, the latest on FASB and how that could, uh, what those changes, how they could affect you. And speaking of, of that, what do you think about these tax changes, Tom? How do you think some of this could affect the commercial real estate industry? Well, you know, but before the tax, the capital gains rates came down, there was a lot of activity in, in tax-deferred exchanges under 1031, uh, Code Section 1031. And I think that you're going to see more activity there because uh, because of the increase in tax rates. When you think about uh, uh, unrecaptured 1250 gain on property that you've depreciated over many years, and, and you're going to reposition your real estate investment, if you have 28.8% federal tax, um, plus a, a state tax that gets up to 35%, a third of your, your gain is going to go away in taxes. You may, you may want to think and, and think real hard about uh, doing a, a deferred exchange where, where all of that gain will be deferred into the future. And, um, and uh, we have clients that have been doing this successfully for many years, and, and because of the warping of the rules between the wealth transfer rules, uh, estate and gift, and with the income tax rules, to, to the extent that you defer that gain until until you die, then then under the current uh, income tax regime, uh, that gain goes away forever. That's that's great. I think there will be a lot more 1031s. And Tom, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your insight. Thanks so much for having me. You know, now more than ever, good tax planning is crucial. If you'd like more information, uh, visit the good friends at Cone Resnick. That's Cone, C-O-H-N, Resnick, R-E-Z-N-I-C-K. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. 
France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Well, welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. How would you like to attract visitors to your website to see the Commercial Real Estate Show videos and hear the podcast? Well, you can now download a free widget allowing your site visitors to access show videos and audio podcasts right on your website. Just visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Look for the widget on the homepage. You can see how it works and easily download it to your site. And after you load it, it works automatically. Well, today we're exploring the tax changes of 2013 and how they may affect commercial real estate. Please welcome my guest, Mitch Rochelle, partner, U.S. Real Estate Advisory Practice, PwC, and Timothy Trifolo, tax partner, also with PwC. As a member of the PwC network of firms in 158 countries with more than 180,000 people, PwC helps organizations and individuals create value by delivering quality insurance, tax, and advisory services. Mitch, Tim, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for having us. Guys, I'd like to ask you first, and uh, Tim, if you could start, is there a particular part of the Fiscal Cliff Tax Act that, in your view, will have the most significant impact on the real estate industry? Yeah, there is. I believe the overall increase in rates is the most significant piece of this as it relates to individuals and bringing the, the top rate up to 39.6, together with the incremental 3.8% Medicare tax, which was part of the Obamacare brings the overall rates on passive income in general, things like dividend interest, capital gains, rents, up to um, a significant rate in comparison. Um, also, the capital gains rates themselves going up from 15 to 20%. Those types of incremental rates changes are the things I think may impact the industry the most. And how do you think that will really impact real estate? you think we'll see less volume of transactions? Uh, what do you expect to see? It's hard to say how it will affect the volume of transactions. What I think it may have a more direct impact in the short run, at least, would be the pricing impact in the sense that if someone may be asking for more than they might have otherwise to cover the incremental tax or, uh, in in other words, if if the price was originally going to be X, it would be X plus 5, X plus 10 percent. Um, otherwise, volume, getting to your point on volume, if someone can't find that price or they just don't want to pay the tax, if they don't think they can get incremental uh, value through the price, they may defer sales altogether. So in that way, the volume may be reduced. Yeah, that's interesting. We just had that happen with a sale that we were trying to close. At the end of December, there's about a $16 million uh, office building, and it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden the sellers, all right, well, we got to get more for the property now. Yeah, that's exactly the point. And, and, you know, the question is, will they be able to get more? Or will they have to wait to sell or will they have to go into some other tax deferred type transaction to get the, the amount of value they want now? Right. In this case, they did get more and it's under contract and preparing to close. So you think that we'll see more 1031 exchanges uh, this year moving forward? I think you're definitely going to see those be contemplated more than you would otherwise. Uh, you know, the question is of margin, and Mitch probably will touch on that later, but, you know, how much will this have an impact is, is the question, and is the pricing going to go 
dramatically different or not. And then like-kind exchange is something we always consider, but um, there's some complications within the partnership context of getting those done. But I, I certainly would think that people on the going out would look to reduce the tax given that the rates are higher now. Okay. Well, let's look at some of the positive sides as well. Uh, you know, are there any aspects of the act that you think are favorable to the real estate industry? Yeah, in this way, there were many extenders that were were pushed out, and in and those were, in my view, more related to stimulus in the sense of business improvements, um, things like bonus depreciation, uh, straight lining of leasehold improvements under 15 years versus 39 years. Here again, this is the the impact would be someone would be more likely to rehab a building using these tax benefits than they may otherwise be, and then the carry-on effect on supplies and materials and appliances and all those types of things that would be uh, stimulators for the economy in general, but also positives for those in the industry looking to increase the value of their investments. Okay. All right. We're going to take a short break here. And when we get back, we'll have more of the facts on the tax changes on the commercial real estate industry with our friends from PwC. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some very interesting shows coming up for you, including a show on mixed-use developments, a show featuring updates and forecasts on the single-tenant net lease market, and a show sharing strategies on investing in the distressed market. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Today, we're exploring the tax changes of 2013 and how they may affect commercial real estate moving forward. My guests are Mitch Rochelle and Tim Trefello with PwC. And I'd like to ask you about the fund management side of the business. Are there any issues there with the tax changes that we have? Yeah, this is Tim. And I would say that there are a few structural changes we may see coming. And these relate to the fees that are paid, management fees, in an already sensitive and competitive environment as it relates to fees. Um, Certain investors, when they get these fees passed through to them on their K-1s, these fees end up being deducted on their tax returns as miscellaneous itemized deductions. Not in all cases, but at least some portion, and it could be a large portion. There are the itemized deduction phase-out is back in place, um, and that could have an impact on the amount of those deductions ultimately being taken by the investors in the funds. More importantly, the Medicare tax, the 3.8% tax that's in place now, has an effect on REITs, and REITs are used in the fund business many times for structural and, and other planning purposes. And the dividend income that comes out of these REITs would be subject to this additional 3.8% tax, whereby if an in, in a real estate professional, which meets the definition of real estate professional per the Internal Revenue Code, may not maybe avoid this 3.8% incremental tax if they were 
an investor in a partnership that would be, say, below the REIT. Um, so you may see some structural changes where key individuals within fund managers would be looking to move their their participation from above the REIT, say, for example, to below the REIT or to a more pass-through environment where they could uh, avoid not only this incremental 3.8% tax, but also may be able to do better on the management fee issue. Okay. Well, that's interesting. The, a lot of changes out there. And uh, Mitch, uh, what is the general reaction from the commercial real estate world about all these tax changes? What are you hearing? I think that the tax rates are all sort of on the margin. I don't want to minimize uh, the um, relevance of a 5% increase in tax rate. However, um, taxes aren't what's been motivating commercial real estate investors as they've gotten back into the asset class in um, the the post-recessionary period. They like commercial real estate because of its durability uh, of income over time. They like it because of its resilience um, in a unstable um, economic environment, and I don't think they're going to run away from it because the the tax on those earnings is higher, because any income-producing assets can have the same uh, adverse tax consequence without the volatility that um, that real, real estate is less volatile than perhaps stocks and bonds can be over time. So um, uh, we're still bullish on commercial real estate, and um, I think there was a little bit of a pause towards the end of the year regarding the uncertainty and how the, the tax law might change and how the fiscal cliff might be addressed. But I, the, the investors that we talk to every day and the clients that we have are still moving forward um, with real estate investing and their strategies are unchanged. Well, I think it's a good point. It's still a great asset class. It's uh, never going to go down to zero. There's some safety and uh uh, and some good returns there. And we had a lot of activity in our shop at the uh, end of the year. Do you think a lot of that activity was uh, motivated by the changes in taxes? Uh, you know, we're busy at the end of the year, too, supporting transactions. And other than perhaps in the end of 07, I really can't think of a year in the last 10 where we weren't really busy at the end of the year because that's just what happens. Um, I think that the motivations change every year in terms of why there is a rush to the uh, um, New Year's Eve uh, ball. <laughs> However, um, the reality is this year tax was top of mind. Um, but I think there was enough reading of the tea leaves in terms of how big the tax change would be. And I don't think that it, uh, it really held up that many transactions. It was probably more of a catalyst to get some done that were on the margin. Okay. And moving forward, what do you expect uh, for investor behavior and, and motivations in response to, to all these changes in the tax code? Um, uh, you know, and, and this may sound weird for a partner in an accounting firm to say what I'm about to say, but I think you can sort of move the tax code to the side as not being the key factor that's going to motivate behavior and look at a monthly jobs report that comes out as being more critical to the vitality, the continued uh, improvement of the asset class. So long as we're creating 100,000 jobs a month and those jobs um, are in the places that will help commercial real estate, meaning office using jobs, uh, service sector jobs, and even hopefully the return of some um, manufacturing jobs, then I think that um, investors and lenders and market participants are going to continue to move the asset class forward. Okay. So you expect more planning, but you don't expect any different activity levels. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I agree with Tim's sentiment. We may see uh, 
1031 exchange conversation being top of mind. I also think one of the things that Tim referenced is important, which is there are some tax benefits in the, in the new law, uh, shorter depreciation life for le- rehabs, for example. There's a lot of opportunities to repurpose some assets out there, and to the extent there's an added tax benefit for doing so, um, that's all more motivation to get that done. And that's what we're going to see a lot of. However, if I were to make a prediction um, on your airwaves about uh, 2013, it very well may be the year of the smaller deal as opposed to the last few years, which have been all about larger deals. And I don't think that um, the tax uh, changes are going to have any kind of a chilling effect on um, the behavior of those market participants. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll learn a little bit more about what to expect in 2013. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Sometimes opportunity comes along because you're at the right place at the right time. A commercial redevelopment site on Peachtree Street in Buckhead, Atlanta, appraised for $7.5 million, is now available for $5 million. For more information, visit the homepage at bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're exploring the tax changes of 2013 and how they may affect commercial real estate with Mitch Rochelle and Timothy Trefalo with PwC. And guys, I'd like to ask you about what should we be watching moving forward in 2013? What, what might change? What should we be on the lookout for? From a tax standpoint, I would say the things that have been on the agenda, there's still uncertainty as to whether change is coming and when on some of these, but things like repealing FERPTA or some reaction to a notice that was issued in 2007 that affected uh, private REITs and in inbound capital, uh, the increase in tax or a change in tax as it relates to carried interest, that's been a hot topic on and off, on and off, and I think part of the question there is when is there going to be significant carried interest where an incremental tax would be a substantial revenue raiser. And it's more of a, a market phenomenon as much as it is a tax phenomenon. And then some other things that we've seen recently coming through on repair regulations. This is both, I think, an administrative burden and could be an issue, but also presents some opportunities regarding uh, capital expenditures and deductibility. Then we've got the international things around FATCA and how that all rolls out, and that's disclosure around withholding related to uh, foreign investors and and non-U.S. structures. And um, the other pieces would just be other audit activity that we're seeing a significant increase in IRS audit activity around partnerships and pass-throughs, which is traditionally not an area that got a lot of focus and also uh, debt and equity type structures for inbound planning. So those are the things that are on my mind from a tax standpoint and we'll be keeping up with. Okay. And Mitch, what is your advice for investors in the commercial real estate world related to all these tax changes? Yeah, I think obviously before you make any investment, uh, you should consult your accountants and and legal advisors. Um, Having said that, caveat, move, let's move forward. I think that as long as um, the fundamentals for commercial real estate, meaning jobs, economic growth, uh, rent growth, um, are all 
strong. I think the vitality of the asset class um, is, is unaffected. Um, where to look in 2013, I talked before the break about smaller transactions getting the attention of investors and lenders alike. Um, I'd also look at, away from the big coastal cities into uh, parts of the United States that have been overlooked by the bigger institutional investors, uh, smaller cities and towns where there's opportunities. I look at the retail asset class. I think it's been largely overlooked by investors and uh, uh, those retail properties that are where the people are living are, are doing incredibly well. And the interesting thing about retail to remember is there's rent growth baked into the leases even if the rental rates don't change because rents are tied to sales. And as the economy recovers and retail sales and cover, recover, I think that there's an opportunity for uh, cash flow upside in, um, in retail investing, even on an after-tax basis if we get clipped uh, for an additional 5% uh, on, on the tax rate. Um, so I think the other thing to remember is that from the investment sales perspective, um, there's still a lot of interest in the asset class, and I think transaction volumes in 2013 will be up from where they were in 2012 because there are a lot more interested buyers uh, now than there were uh, last year, and I think that trend will continue. Well, I think it's a good time to buy. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today and sharing your insight. Always nice to be uh, heard on your airways, Michael. All right. for the opportunity. If you'd like more information from Mitch, Tim, and PwC, visit pwc.com. You're invited to join us next week. We'll get the latest on mixed-use development with some of the top developers in the country. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is made available by professionals at Cone Resnick, BB&T, France Media, and Bull Realty. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.